0: Redacted. Hello and welcome to the Nordic Keyforge podcast. My name is Jason, the captain, and I'm joined here today with Hydrophilic Attack, Jonas. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Great, thanks. And I've also got here uh, Zaramis. How Hi. Are you doing, Simon? I'm doing great. Excellent, excellent. How have how have the last three weeks been for you guys? I mean, we've we. Last week, people would have been looking at their podcast apps thinking, you know, where, where are they? Are they where... having
1: a hiatus?
0: Exactly, yeah. Uh, we're not having hiatus. Um, well, we, we... had the
2: hiatus, a one week hiatus, and it's over.
0: <laughs> I know, right? I know that's See, what a happens. hiatus is
2: supposed to be, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know, good communication to the, uh, our listeners that we had to delay a week and. That's the hiatus. It's done. We're back. And And so we're going to be coming on to it.
1: Yeah, we're informing you now that you hear this that we have been gone for a week. And now you know. (laughs) Well, well, you did did put in, in,
2: in, in the Nordic server that we would be gone for a week. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, but I
1: like this retrospective information channel. Like, this is the information channel for when the podcast will be
0: late. (laughs) <laughs> and you will always know after the fact. <laughs> yeah, that's a good that's point. Ha- that's how we do it. That's how we do it. <laughs> how, have, how have the last three weeks been for you guys? Um, no, you have in to say the word. Really? Well, okay, yeah. How has... No, but it doesn't work with three weeks.
2: Yeah, you can say, how has the Forge night and a half been?
0: How is your... Yeah. <laughs> how has your Forge night and a half? This well, is getting ridiculous. Let's on.
1: Let me tell you about my Forge night, which is clearly tonight because I've played Keyforge tonight, but I will also tell you about my latest three weeks in Keyforge.
0: Um, yeah, g- yeah. Latest three weeks. Tell us about tonight. You played your game tonight. Your league yes, game. I
1: played my uh, Nordic uh, Keyforge League game against uh, Baron Per Mobile. Uh, and for those who don't know what that means, then try to translate it. I wish you good luck. Uh <laughs> It was some really, really tight games. And I must say, this goes for the last three weeks in general. I've had some of the best Keyforge I've had ever, really, uh, in this uh, season. And I'm actually, now in retrospect, despite me being upset at the time, quite happy that I ended up with this no-dis lineup. And uh, today I just rediscovered the fact that I almost have no board wipes in it as well. So it's a no-dis two board wipes o- across six decks line up. Wow. Uh, and it's just, uh, it's doing really, really well. I've won all three of my games against really, really good players. I played Hydro, I played Algen and I played uh, Banan Permobile now. Um, the latter has some really, really good decks against my board decks, so I had to pull out all the non-board decks today. I played uh, both my Dark Tidings deck, my uh, infamous Dusania too much to protect uh snacklifter deck and uh uh Pip sort of semi rush deck today. Uh and uh yeah I've won all games all three matches with two one and it's been really interesting. I look forward to talking through a little more when we've gone through. But yeah that that's been my three weeks.
0: Cool, fantastic. Yeah I, I was gonna got be
1: crushed fix- Impercular Cup by Algernonor.
0: So he, he got his revenge. Yeah, he game.
1: certainly did. Absolutely smashed.
0: Oh, mm, yeah, he's doing pretty well in the Percolet uh, Cup. the finish, The, the Finnish Cup, and we'll talk about that in a bit as well. Um, uh, Hydro, how has your fortune half-night been?
2: Uh, it's been good. Uh, in the Cup, connected to the to the league, I haven't done too well. I was kicked out of the... Of the uh, Winners bracket, which is the most interesting bracket because you get to look at matchup and choose choose one of two decks. And now I'm stuck in the losers bracket where where you have one deck left and you're left to the fate of whichever matchup you end up with, which tends to be the case in Losas, in my experience. So so at some point I'm going to get a bad matchup and that's it. But I really enjoyed the winners the winners. I really enjoyed the format you had in the winners part where you had two decks. Your opponent had two decks. And you chose one of your decks and they chose one of their decks. That made for really interesting decisions, I thought. Um, for, uh, for my league, I've had really good games. I, I just looked at the nine games I have played over the last three weeks. Uh, so nine individual games in three matches. And seven of those games ended up three to two in keys. So I've had a lot of close games. Uh, I lost against Saramis, won one game and lost two. Uh, uh, I will blame, as always, matchups. <laughs> and oh, uh, then
0: always matchups. For
2: yes, and then I managed to beat Sysox in three games. And of course, when I win, it's not matchups; it's my incredible skill. Of it's course. all skill. Yes, yes, I agree. And the same against uh, the same against uh, Algernon R, who I managed to to uh, to beat, win in two games and lose one game. And of course, all skill, only skill. Absolutely not the fact that I got my, my rush deck against his combo deck or something like that. It's not at all.
1: No, that seems uh, unlikely to have impacted the matchup.
2: Yep. <laughs> so how about you?
0: I don't want to... I do not want to talk about my last three weeks in Keyforge. I do not want to talk about them. You put put it quite
2: specifically (laughs) in in the show notes here. In the
0: show notes, yeah. The last three weeks of Keyforge has basically made me start feeling that that I suck at Keyforge so bad. I've lost my first two games 3-0. I mean, I lost them against Roger Schrubber and Kristoff, which, though these guys are amazing players, Um, with incredible lineups, every deck like plus 80. Um, And the Cup, I've lost both my games and straight out. um, Interesting matchup versus uh, Ultimo Fox, uh, fellow Swindle teammate who uh, he played really well that game and had a really, really good draw against a deck that just didn't sing as it should um the only the only pleasure that I've had from Keyforge in the last two weeks is the percole cup, which yes I'm down in toad conference but I've, every single game has been so incredibly close in a really fun deck which I have as auto encoder transporter platform with anthony and a um uh what's my third artifact there which is a pretty big artifact I can't remember what it is now so uh, also- evil. No. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. Um, I can't remember what that is now. Um, anyway, a really, really fun deck with a lot of artifacts. And it's been a lot of fun to play. So that's been my Key Forge pleasure for the last Forge and a Half Night.
1: But well, let's remember that uh, since the NKFL has gone international as of late, it, ha- it is in a weird bit of mm. transitional stage where some of the world's best players are coming up from below. Mm -hmm. and uh, that will be very very hard i believe to to deal with for a while until the the divisions have stabilized a little bit again
0: no i know definitely really will be and uh, christoph that i played this week he he pulled out all the stops and he played so well i mean he destroyed some of my favorite decks i mean i didn't draw that very well um, and I was a gentleman about learning a manual on a uh, on a on a clear mistake that would not have been made in a live place so I let him go, thinking that okay, you know he'd probably get one ember um, went back and he gained a key and six ember with going back on that thing before I could even play another card. so I'm thinking, ah, right. <laughs> I'm just going to go and cry. He did offer me a couple of uh, captains decks to make up for it. So oh, that's <laughs> that's nice. Uh yeah, just a few added to my collection. But I mean, I think uh, the first two games I've played against two people which are quite clearly going to be in gold next season. Um so yeah, so I'm down there at the bottom of silver with zero wins, six losses and minus 12 keys on difference so uh bronze i'm coming for you
1: but uh, i mean i'm sorry now to bring up the mood again but uh it's yeah it's been it's been good like uh up here in diamond <laughs> looking down it's uh
2: <laughs> really rub <rubbed> it in <laughs>
0: Look, I, no. look, I'm, I'm I'm just I'm just here to anchor the podcast. You guys, you guys bring the quality. I just bring the the jokes. Uh, but I was
1: go- <laughs> I was going to mention that we've had like uh, some some really noteworthy interactions and noteworthy games, uh, particularly some that that will lead our way into the segment actually. But uh, I would like yeah. us to to talk a little bit about uh, our specific matchup because we have two we have one of our our. Uh, Couple, couples that have played here, me and Hydro. What can yes. we say about our games? How was the preparation for it? Uh,
2: my preparation was not as good as it should have been. I was quite tired on the day of the game, which was weird because I actually slept <laughs> that night and so on. But yeah, I just felt really tired. Uh, but I think you were also really tired. So yes, we were both. We were sort both. Of, <laughs> both sort of not at our best uh, performance So, Um,
0: so were you you both sleep forging? Yes, (laughs) yes, 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 we were. (laughs) See, you guys bring the quality; I bring the jokes. That's where (laughs) I think we're agreed in there. (laughs) How did the games go then?
2: So the the first game, uh, that was a game you played. No, we shouldn't maybe say specific ones, but but I played sort of a crushy deck, and you played also kind of a board control deck.
1: Yeah, and that was the very, very close game that we had. Which was, Yeah, that,
2: uh, that one came down to I had uh, a uh, lock, what what's the name, a turn key on the last turn. And if you could kill it, you won. And if you couldn't yes. kill it, I would win. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, of that course, that you that had, to, I think, multiple tools to kill it. <laughs> yes, I had like I still, <laughs> still, I had, I had some yeah. minuscule hope there for a few seconds yes.
1: <laughs> but i do think that we will have to share some some uh, details because there's a particular there's some details in this matchup that was really interesting because as our listeners know we have previously discussed our, our different ways of approaching this league like hydro here has brought uh, some rush decks in order to beat the boring mm uh, meta with without scaling ember control where you haven't really needed that you only needed speed and, and good cards uh well, I have experimented with, yeah, now with playing without this, and I have been. Last season was a catastrophic failure in only trying to bring speed and board. <laughs>
0: mm. Mm.
2: But I mean, going back to the topic of of preparation, uh, my yeah. big mistake, I guess, was in with with the decks I had. I really should have banned your your skate. You had one deck with too too much to protect, yeah. and a bunch of other amber control as well. And I didn't ban that deck, I think you even gave me a second chance to ban it, and I didn't ban it so so that was really really mm-hmm. a poor decision by me <laughs> because that's that's a game that that game well i had I had a racing deck protected, and I didn't play that deck until it was too late and you could bring out your amber control deck against my racing deck and I was crushed in the last game uh, yeah. I guess yeah. my rush deck sorry yeah.
1: Um, Oh yeah, we should mention that because this is something we are going to be using going back to our archetypes episode. Mm. But uh, there we talked about this axis between control and racing, where some decks try to reach an inevitable state, some decks try to get first to three. So when we say racing, we generally will mean the act of trying to push four keys and going to three keys first. When we say rush, we talk about the archetype of a deck where that is yeah, its primary yeah. game plan.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I mean that's that's what we're we're focusing on in tonight's episode as as our main topic, as our main uh, run through here is, um, and actually something that we're going to be doing in the next uh, few episodes moving forward is. We we had a a, 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 what I feel was a pretty decent episode uh, a few episodes ago, looking into the different archetype deck archetypes in Keyforge, and we're going to start going through each of those archetypes, um, breaking them down, um, how finding out how you know your deck is that archetype if it is, how you play it, and when to bring it, when to not to bring it, etc. So today we're talking about the rush, and this matchup we've started talking about already um, is. Is gonna is such a is, is a focused game and a focused matchup that that we can look at. So that we're talking about rush, not racing. Yep. Yes. Yes. Um, and so, what do you mean about rush? What do you mean when you say say rush? Just to um, to repeat what we said in the previous episode and just to refresh our memory. So, obviously, racing is you know trying to get to three keys at the same time, but a rush. What What does that mean? Well, uh,
1: if I will take it, considering I made the, the sort of these broad statements about archetypes last time. yeah. In my definition, a pure rush deck is a deck uh, where the game plan is to push a lot of ember on single turns, often with uh, either key sheets or just masses of ember that always gets to check or tries to always get to check. Uh, the deck presents a threat, which is the constant checking, so that the opponent, instead of being able to do their game plan, has to respond to the threat of ember generation it can be by playing creatures that have powerful abilities that give lots of ember or it can be in the ways of pips uh, and similar Mm. Uh, so a rush deck lacks a secondary game plan if it's a pure rush deck if it fails to to uh, gain Mm. any traction in its ember in its ember gain it it rarely has a, a good plan b
2: Mm. And I would add to that, we talked last time when we discussed archetypes about the scale of control versus racing. And I would say a rush deck is a deck that aims to be in every matchup the racing deck when the other deck is a control deck. Yes.
0: Okay. Yeah. So that's when a rush becomes a racing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, The the, the rush deck is so fast that it tries to always be the racing deck in any specific match.
1: Yeah. And they can okay. often lose when when another deck, for example, when we talked about Heist decks, which is Steel plus Rush, that can take all their Ember, give it to themselves, but also is pushing Ember, which was very dominant for in Kota for a while, like in the early early days, the Steel and then push to check yourself. Hmm. I would uh, say
2: the deck, the deck I played that you beat was a Heist deck. Yes, definitely. Uh, and I also have a pure racing deck. Uh, that, that that wasn't played in, in our match yes. yeah. um, so so you who brought these uh, two uh, rushy
1: decks one more pure than the other what were your thoughts and what were your concerns mm. going into, into this uh, season, what were you afraid of that others would bring and what do these deck counter or what are they good against
2: Hydra? so there are two reasons I brought these decks one is I got a good deal to buy them secondhand, so I <laughs> snatched them up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the second part is, I've traditionally played mostly board decks, and I have been noticing that they, these decks have really struggled against the mass mutation meta, where everyone is, where well, where decks tend to have quite good board control, both massive, mass board control with wipes and also targeted board control with, with actions that kill any creature on the board. Or something like that. Um, so I was thinking about what kind of decks can beat this mass mutation meta and what is the weakness of the mass mutation decks. And I would say the biggest weakness of mass mutation decks is they don't really have that much scaling amber control compared to the earlier sets. They rotated out too much to protect, they rotated out um, inter- interdimensional graft, they rotated out. Doorstep to heaven. So mm-hmm. my thinking was, lots of people are playing mass mutation, and I think that has turned out true. If you look at at the oh, yeah. oh, lineup yeah, yeah. For, for Diamond, it's heavily dominated by by mass mutation. And I thought, okay, I would play racing decks. Sorry, I would play rush decks and high sticks and crush mm-hmm. Decks, and then a few other decks that are sort of like toolbox answers. Uh, but primarily those Decks... To beat these mass mutation decks that don't have the scaling control answers. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, stupidly, I when I played against you, I didn't ban the deck with the scaling control <laughs> answers. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, uh, at least you know your mistakes. Yeah. At least you actually... recognize your mistakes and you can move on and grow from them. Hmm.
1: But is it so simple that a good counter is always a scaling ember control deck? Or what does the deck... No. What kind of decks are you, do you look at when you... you there there is one weaknesses? more other
2: type of deck I think is a good answer. And it's a, a, a board amber control deck. So a, a deck with lots of saurian creatures and the capture actions like tribute or... or uh, um, City-state interest, or mm. or creatures that you put out behind taunts that raise key costs like Edai or or Pismire or something like that. Those types. Yeah,
1: you types... say that the, the the meta that arose when Worlds Collide came out that basically yeah. killed Kota for a while. Yes, mm. wards, mm. big boards, and uh, the, where one board wipe isn't even enough.
2: Yes, and then I feel like I have been playing those decks, and I have seen how those decks. Cannot win against mass mutation, or they can, but they are disfavored. So my idea was, okay, pe- not so many people will bring those decks because those decks lose against the board control meta. So therefore, one of, the, but both the board control meta and the and the creature decks, both of the well, I will not face the creature decks because people will not bring them because they're afraid of the board control decks, and and the board control decks I can beat with my with my racing decks, with my rush decks. The, How the, would
1: you apply this? The, say that I, I want to bring a rush deck to, to a regular Archon tournament. Yeah, Would you would you do that? Or, or what kind of gamble w- would I make think you that, do that?
2: So there is some... Uh, this, this is something people have talked about in card games quite a lot. Do you bring a deck that has a 60% chance of winning against 60% of the field? Or do you bring a deck that has... a I don't know eighty percent chance of winning against forty percent of the field and then yeah uh, and and hope for good matchups and mathematically I, I don't know if I had the exact numbers right, but mathematically it can make sense to bring a deck that has a really good chance to win against certain matchups and hope for those matchups uh because you still you need luck anyway in ma- like mm. in, in a card game so so yeah I think I think it makes sense to bring those decks. I have noticed, I've been talking a lot in servers about, okay, racing is really where, where rush decks is really what works well in the meta now. And I think I have noticed on the Crucible that people have started playing more decks that respond to rush decks. Uh, it's gotten more popular in the last few months than three months, four months ago. And I don't know if uh, if it is because they know that I have been playing racing rush decks lately, mm. and they are counting <laughs> me, or whether it's because it's a trend that other people are playing rush decks <laughs> and they have yeah. started to take take those those meshes back.
1: So, in order to widen the perspective a little bit, in a rush deck, do you look for all three houses to be doing the same thing to to be as pure as possible? Because when I look at at many rush decks, they lack some of these very very common. Themes that almost every other uh, keyforge deck has. Uh, the exception is a little bit in mass mutation because their pips are more spread out on different houses due to the enhancements. But for example, we rarely see these super efficient logos houses in in rush decks. Is it because logos does not perform that role that well? Because you will spend more or less an entire turn only drawing cards, or or. So I would think? say
2: one of the ra- one of the rush decks I have, the pure rush deck I have in my lineup, it has a good logos with three not not really the kind of logos I would be looking for otherwise. No archiving, but it has mm. it has three wild wormholes. Yeah. <laughs> so it's
1: essentially playing other houses that gain yeah. more ember mm. in logos. Okay, so it's, it's yeah. logos,
2: the
0: house cheats. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, and it has a doces cotera, which is a card that I usually don't want to see, but it's good in the in the rush deck. Uh, and it has, and also it has a library access which works very well with the three wild war modes. So I, yeah. the hope is to build up a big untamed hand after the lowest library access. Term. Right, right. So, mm, mm.
1: but would you say that it, it generally you, you you said you it isn't the kind of logos you would normally look for? Many decks, for example, have bad things for wild wormholes to to roll into Mm. but i've noticed also that that the best rush decks often have wild wormholes at least in the kota era Mm. but and they almost only have positive cards they don't have that board wipe that will ruin it for yourself Mm. they don't have the cards that will lock in some kind of play on their own part so they can freely wild wormhole because it's always a tempo gain and an ember gain
2: yeah i the only card i don't want to wild wormhole Arguably, into in that deck, well, there are two. There is a barehanded, uh, which can slow me down because I have some artifacts. And it there is a, a, an Earthshaker, which can kill my low-power creature, which is not a big deal because I probably want them dead anyway so I can shuffle them back because yeah, it doesn't yeah. So I don't mind that, really. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's a good point. I have very few cards that are dangerous to play randomly. Uh, and I would say I still... I still, in that deck, have... It's not like it completely lacks board control. It has a Brobnar house, which has some decent targeted board control. Yeah.
1: But let's, uh, not, let's not focus too much on specific decks, yeah. uh, I yeah. figure. Yeah. Uh, and talk about the archetype itself. So if we identify, like, how, how do you look at the deck if it's a competent rush deck or if it only has high Ember gain? For example, many Mass Mutation decks have, or, or even Dark Tiding decks have incredibly high expected Ember and mm. cannot perform the function of a rush deck. They uh, yeah. need I think, something else.
2: No, that's a good point. And I think the reason for that mm. is that the expected Amber score is inflated by situational Amber gain. So mm. it's uh, like a Kota racing deck has pips. Uh, a, a Dark Tidings racing deck can have pips, but it also has cards that need the high tide to give you a lot of Amber or or creatures mm. that need to reap to give you a lot of amber. I so... think a
1: very, very good example of also that you need to be careful with is the wild bounty card in, mm. uh, in uh, mass mutation. Because I, I have seen, and I played today uh, against a deck with 22 ember pips, and it has three wild bounties in it. Mm. and And when I looked at that deck, I said, okay, these cards are dead cards in many draws it doesn't have a lot of speed it doesn't have a lot of archiving it has at least three cards that unless they also draw a card with pips that card doesn't do anything and i feel that in in really dangerous decks that that really push the rush strategy you don't have cards that you ever want to sit and hold if you call that house or cards that you don't want to discard like instead of having three secure amber gain cards Rather, and I know there are enhanced cards that have added Ember pips elsewhere. Yeah,
2: I mean, I mean, to me, they serve as three Dust pips in your deck. But I
1: don't think they do. This is an an, this is an argument I uh, I will make Mm. because Ember is not equal when it arrives. Like having Ember evenly spread out in a rush deck is more important than having pips somewhere in the deck, because those three dead cards can produce rounds where you cannot present a threat. Drawing two uh, wild bounties and a third untamed card means that you will have one round where you either hold those cards and, and hope for, for good combos, or you have to play them with no effect, which means you give the opponent a round to take back the initiative from your rush deck and
0: mm-hmm.
1: and either establish a board or not have to react to the fact that you're making a lot of Ember. While if they're evenly spread out, like many of the best Kota decks, you will, no matter what you have in hand, all your cards produce a threat to be answered. And I think that this is a a key to good rush decks.
2: I think I can agree with that, but I I would say the two rush decks I have, they have houses that don't have a lot of amber. They have the sanctum house in one of them, and the Brobner house in or the do other. Do they have dead cards? That no, they hide? are not. That's the point. They are not dead. Yeah. They do something. They put out the creature mm, that can exactly. assume, they, they do fight or reap or control threat. So they do something. So yeah, I just wanted to make that distinction. That mm-hmm. yes, I don't have peeps in every house, but they do something which the card wild bounty itself doesn't necessarily do. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I, I see I see that point, and I think there might be something to that.
1: Yep. Because I've I've almost never faced an MM Rush deck that wasn't also, for example, Flood or used to kind of mutants to just spew out both creatures and pips. Those mm-hmm. are like the dangerous sort of Rush decks in MM are the ones that combine a big reap threat with a, a Steady Ember gain. Mm-hmm. While the pure mm-hmm. Rush decks, I just, I, I feel they have too many... Uh, too many situational cards. Even Vault's blessing and so on needs you to have like a flood with, to go with it to be mm. that rushy deck.
0: Mm. Mm. So, so uh, just listening to the, your guys' conversation here because I think this is a really, really good conversation you guys are having uh, between yourself. I'm not even needed here. I'm just gonna go and grab a cup of tea. I think <laughs> when when would you play the, a rush deck not as a racing deck because. A lot of what you're saying in this segment of conversation there was, you know, talk the other cards that do the other jobs that a deck has to do or you hope it to do, um, where there might be some dead cards and there might be some other cards. So would you always want to try and be the racer in that matchup? Or when would you play that rush deck as as the control? Um, when would you not play it as the racing deck to to, to try try and do that?
2: Uh, I mean, you go go ahead.
1: (laughs) Okay, I'll go ahead. Uh, For me, I think that the more, like, the purer the rush deck, the more you're simply losing when you're forced to play it as something else. Mm. Uh, Is the very simple answer. Uh, But uh, because... If your game plan is losing on the one thing, it does really well. Then you need to hope that you somehow do the other thing better than the, the deck. And then it mm. is it then really like a pure rush deck? Of course, there are situations where you in the moment have to play it as something else. Mm. Uh, but in a match, unless of course the other deck is simply better at it. Like if you're going up against an even more extreme version of your own deck. But even yeah. then... You tend to not shift gears in a rush deck. You only hope to draw your cards in a better order than the opponent. Mm,
2: mm. So, so that was going to be the example I was going to bring up. If if the matchup is such that your race, your rush deck, which aims to always be the racing deck in a matchup, is not the racing deck in the matchup because your opponent has an even better rush deck, then sometimes you may have you. Mm. You, yeah, probably the right answer is to draw better. <laughs> but if you can't, uh, if you can't, then maybe you have to fight to stop them from reaping and, and gaining that amber mm. advantage on you. Uh, I would also say in some specific situations, like if my if my if I'm playing a rush deck and I don't have too many good board control actions, I might opt to fight instead of reaping to push for check or to push for for racing uh, in a situation where I see my opponent flooding to a state I can't respond to. So it's kind of like uh, yeah, uh, preemptive. I see this is the weakness of my deck and I can see I can only lose if they manage to exploit this weakness. And I see like right now I'm at the, an inflection point of this game where I can stop that from mm. happening. And, and that's um, a, That's
1: a very good point where you momentarily... Execute another like tactic rather rather than a strategy yeah, yeah. in order to safeguard your your primary plan. Yeah, yeah. You, see, uh, but,
0: you, you see their key card yeah. there, and you know you had that that card has to come off now because it's that it's a it's a desire. Or I think that that's a that's a mistake that
1: many new players in the game do is that they think that oh my deck needs to do this thing, then mm. I shouldn't stop doing that. Uh, instead of saying oh that creature needs to die. Yeah. And then I continue gaining Ember. So deciding, like, how many of your creatures do you reap with, or how many of your cards do you focus solely so mm. on getting to check? Yeah, because uh, there was a uh, like idiom early in the game, which was like, always get to check. Mm. And that that conf- K- ABC did. always be checking. Yeah, and and I think that that confused many people who tried that, mm. and then turned out that the other day de- they weren't actually reading what the other deck could yeah. do. Yeah, and our astute listener says. Hey, but but if this is the plan of a rush deck, isn't the heist deck always better? Isn't it always better to both be able to steal but also to race for the victory? But I want to make a distinction here between these two decks because they are very different weaknesses than uh, you than you would think because a rush deck will never and uh, should never end up with cards that are either very conditional or wasted. Like, it, like that you waste a big part of your Ember potential if you can't play them. So say that uh, you have a Rush deck, a Heist deck and a Flood deck. So the Rush deck has no problem with the Flood deck starting to play creatures. If it can just stay ahead, it can just keep on rushing and so on. The Heist deck, on the other hand, has drawn four Steel cards in their hand. They're a significant part of their rush strategy or their racing strategy. And they're also a part of their the only way they have to stop the opponent. What do they do when the other person plays three creatures, then plays two more creatures? They don't reap, they don't do anything else, they only establish artifacts and creatures. Suddenly, you're sitting with cards that do not accomplish your goal in the game anymore, but you have to mm-hmm. either play them and they do nothing, or you hold on to them even longer and, and let the opponent execute their game plan. And that that is a key difference between those two decks that both have racing as their, their aim, but they have they have different executions. Um, so I just wanted to make that little side note when yeah, yeah. it came to your archetypes.
0: No, that's that's a. I mean, that's a really interesting point. Um, and it also makes you realize cards like auto encoder are so important for that. So that you still make use of those dead cards. Well, if you have an auto encoder yeah. in
1: a in a deck that wants to always race, I think you're in trouble. Because then you have too many dead cards in the deck. But
0: <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's the thing. You know, you uh, can still you can still make something to rate to to rush in your yes. next turn. But yeah, in um, that,
2: with that kind of deck, you wouldn't mind uh, having uh, having wild bounties that don't do anything when you play them, though. Because indeed, and mm. discard yeah. it for an archive. Uh, but yeah.
1: but the but the auto encoder is. I would say it's still, even if you archive something, you're still letting the opponent play turns where they are not. They don't have to respond to, to Ember gain. So yeah. I, I, that's why I think we don't see many autoencoders in the fastest uh, MM decks. Okay, example, yeah,
0: yeah. No, I, I, I can understand that.
1: Like okay. one of the best MM rush decks uh, that I have, at least, is, of course, the the old and famous Car Keys deck. Mm. Uh, lost horribly last year against hydro uh well and it wasn't i didn't play it this year against you did i no no but i did play it against uh another deck in my match against uh, algen where it won like really really big by doing exactly that it both presented threats on the board and also rushed with pips and i it never has time to archive or to if if it's spending turns, it doesn't have any archiving. But if I did, like it would, it would I would never do it because an auto encoder would suggest that I have cards that are situational, and a good deck with racing strategy doesn't have situational cards. Like the fewer situational cards you have in a racing like strategy and in a rush deck, the better I would say. and the auto encoder is a way to turn your situational cards into opportunity advantage.
0: Yeah, that Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah.
2: Um yeah, I think that makes sense unless you have the kind of zoomist decks where the auto encoder together with other efficiency decks makes you draw so many cards that Yeah, you yeah, yeah. but then we are in a very different way. Yeah, that's another kind like of that. archetype, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. acts. It's not a rush archetype, but it, it's an archetype that can act as the racing deck in a matchup. Yeah. But
1: uh, bringing us back to the very core fundamentals of uh, of the rush deck, uh, what are the like the most important things you would uh, you want in one? Uh, when you when you're looking at at your decks or or new looking for new decks and so on, what are some mm. Key things to look for, like is it a certain amount of amber, expected amber? Is it uh, certain cards, or or what are the key components of of many rush decks for you? So for people...
2: me, it's a certain amount of guaranteed amber, which is not the expected amber that that Sas says. It's um it's cards that you can almost always play or always play, unless I mean I count a steel card as a guaranteed amber, which is not technically correct because the opponent can not make amber. And that's a valid strategy. Uh, But, uh, yeah, that's the primary thing I'm looking at. I'm looking at how many... If I play every card in the deck, how many Amber do I make? Uh, And nothing else uh, Mm. goes my way, but I I just play all the cards. Uh, And and I want that to be quite a bit above the 18 you need to win. And if you can do that, then you have... That's, I think... a good rush deck. That's the first thing. The second thing, which is really nice to have, is a is a key cheat. Um, mm-hmm. And the deck that I lost against you with, it has the weakness. It doesn't have a key cheat. So when it goes up against the bad matchup that has scaling amber control, it's in trouble. Uh, mm. So if I had a, if I had a, a key cheat in that game, it could have gone very differently.
1: Okay, so take mm. uh, take two cards. I'll I'll put you to some choices here in a little game. Mm-hmm. Imagine these the cards come in the same uh, deck. Mm. What are the advantage of a uh, Dust Pixies versus Flexia? What kind of, uh, kind of kind of deck do you want one or the other in?
2: So in a racing deck, I want the Dust Pixie more. I want both of them. In the rush uh-huh. deck, I want the the, the 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 Dust Pixie more because it's guaranteed. But playing against mass mutation or Bolt Collide that has Infernus, the Fluxia can be better. Uh, So the Fluxia has a use Mm -hmm. case. And also the Fluxia has four power and is more likely to stick around and reap. And thats it's not guaranteed, Amber. It's not as important to me as the Pips, but it still helps the the racing tactic I want to do with my rush deck. Uh, So, uh, uh, yeah, I think I would still... Say I want the Dust Pixie more, but I think I would be really happy with either of them.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'd say wanting the fl- the Flaxia more in the 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 creature more creature heavy decks, you know, where you was guaranteed that you're going to have more creatures.
2: Yes, but it feels bad in those situations when <laughs> it doesn't get when you're when it's... you're behind. No, uh, yeah, no. I can
0: definitely see that. I can definitely see that.
2: Uh, but I mean, either either of them have their uses. I would say, since since I'm saying guaranteed, absolutely guaranteed, Amber is what I'm looking for in a rush deck. I think I would say I prefer the Dust Pixie, but depending on matchup, the Flaxia can be better.
1: Okay. And uh, two other very key cards in some high stacks and many rush decks. Would you rather have a Relentless Whispers or a Ghostly
2: Hand? Um, I would rather have the Relentless Whispers. If uh, because okay yes it's less guaranteed but but I think that one is it's so rare you have a shadows house that doesn't have a one or two power creature you can play on the same turn and kill by yourself so I I count I count the 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 relentless whispers as a three amber swing card even though the other
1: is a potential four but only sometimes
2: yes yeah but you could also say that you could also say that. Ghostly Hand is a guaranteed two to gain, while, mm. while Relentless Whisper is a guaranteed one gain because there may be situations where there is no creature to kill with a mm-hmm. Relentless Whisper, but I've found from experience those situations are very rare, I can almost always kill something with those two damage, uh, it might, might come from my own deck. But I, it's very rare I can't do it, I would say.
1: That's interesting. Uh, so that 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 also shows us a little bit that having these small Shadows creatures that you can kill yourself is sometimes quite important. Mm.
0: Uh...
2: Yeah, like mm. uh, the Silvertooth, very underrated creature in a, in a racing deck. He comes in, he reaps once, and then you can kill him with a Relentless Whisper or, mm-hmm. or Pawn Sacrifice. Mm. I, I, I'm happy um, with that card. Uh,
1: and we could see that how how in the MM set and so on, many cards were introduced that were just worse, or at least different but so slightly worse ver- versions of these. Most mm. of them changed if you kill to if you survive if they survive, mm. uh, because they realized that something that like that, and I think that this is a very interesting philosophical thing about the game, because they realized that something that does two things that you want both of them. Mm. Is less interesting and just more good. Everywhere like always so good mm. versus a deck a card that either does something you want, which is kill something, mm. or it steals. Mm.
2: Yeah, uh, the only card like that in in Kota was the diss action gongoosel, I guess. Uh, which makes them face yeah, and yeah. kill a creature. But And you... that's it
1: fits with uh, this team of causing like uh, benefiting from uh damage on, on creatures. Yeah.
2: And and I would say overall, yeah, that's a really good that's a really good observation that they have introduced a lot more cards that make the choice more interesting. Do you mm-hmm. kill a creature with with mark of this, or do you force them into a house? Sometimes you might really want to kill. a Really, yeah,
1: and and I and I think that's one of the reasons why in the rush archetype, KOTA are just in many ways better because mm. KOTA has all of these cards that just do two things that you want. Hmm. rather than having to choose hmm. which is also why I didn't get into the game during COTA because I felt it was too simplistic like it was a lot about look at the cards in your hand, play the best with them they will do their thing like oh I have a relentless whispers I guess I kill the most dangerous creature and steal <laughs> when do I not want that yeah yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> so so I want to, to take another, another thing with two cards uh, to compare them against each other and that's uh, that's uh, a nerve blast versus a ghostly hand, and I would say, I would take the the ghostly hand in a racing in a rush deck over the nerve blast. They are yeah, comparable. Definitely. They are they are an amber, they are an amber delta of two or like an amber swing of two. But the ghostly hand helps me push to the win con more quickly. And, and you could important.
1: also say that one of them is more conditional than the other.
2: Yes, that too. Uh,
1: one of them does nothing. It risks, risks that risk of being a dead card. And I think that this is, might be the lesson Ooh. that we, we give away in this episode. Uh, that when you're trying to see if your decks can perform a racing strategy well, and especially if you're looking at them from a rush deck perspective, see how many dead cards you have see how many conditional lines of play you have in the deck they can be great in some decks combo decks and so on. we will get to them in a later episode but if you see too many of them be wary of relying on its racing strategy as a win con. you have to probably find another as well or you will lose the momentum the opponent can set up and you might lose the game
0: i like that i like that advice that's uh Nice and simple. Um, coming back from just your question to start off that whole conversation, the you know what do you see in a what do you look for when if if you're looking at actually could this be a rush deck? For me, it's high E and high F. The if Ember expected Ember has to be high and the efficiency also has to be high. So I would look for those two as a very simple way of looking at it. Why would that probably not be the be all and end all? We probably answered this. um, (laughs) Because you're looking for F.
1: Because you're now looking for cards that only draw more cards. Mm -hmm. Uh, Many of the F cards are there to provide opportunity, like a cost or like a benefit. Mm -hmm. Uh, They archive something, they they provide for a later turn, they put away your TMTP to use when you need it. Mm -hmm. But that means that you have just played a card that is not pushing you towards the, the winning strategy uh, cool. car- in, in racing decks i would say that efficiency that does not uh, sort your deck or play more cards from hand are or worse top of deck. yeah top of deck while cards that play more cards from your hand more cards from your deck right away are better for example uh, there are some great star alliance rush cards in mm with uh, uh, lay of the Land is a great uh, supplement to uh, a racing strategy when you play MM, while many of the Logos cards are not. Uh, mm, yeah. Archiving two cards isn't necessarily uh, that great, even if it has an Ember Pippet, that is very good. But for example, Tata Vapors in, in Worlds Collide and so on.
2: I would mention also uh, the, the Kirby's.
1: Kirby's are are, are like excellent. If you have a more creature creature-based deck. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, But Relay of the Land, even survey, like even cards that just make sure that you look at two cards and say one of these is better than the other. Like mm-hmm. One of them will be better than the other, so throw away one of them. Mm. And since a Rush deck should have an even distribution of threats, it should never be the end-all if you throw away one of them. You mm-hmm. should only see like what makes my next turn even more threatening.
2: Yeah, I think Scout Pete is really underrated. I, I, yeah. I, I love mm. choosing whether to throw away that card. I mean, survey is even better, but 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 Scout Pete is also good. Mm. Yeah, uh,
1: and uh, you can in in once again in card where I have let two surveys, a lay of the land, a Scout Pete, and Saurian Egg. That also gives like that kind of uh, mm. really really like uh, speed enhancing part where you sort the deck. You don't put them aside for later. You say okay. Next turn, what can I do to continue presenting threats? So don't look at F. Look at the nature of your F in
0: the deck. Great. Yeah, because I mean, just thinking especially beginners, because in a lot of ways, I'm when when looking at these, the archetypes, I probably still think a little bit like a beginner here. So this is a really good way into going. Actually, that F value could be a little bit misleading. Mm, definitely. Both, um, both the F value
2: and the E value can be misleading. So yeah, you yeah. Look for conditional value. Look for
1: things that speed up the deck, not things that provide like a, a opportunity for later.
2: Yeah. You, you meant unconditional value, like uh, non conditional value.
0: Yeah. 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 Okay. So what, what what would a rush deck's kryptonite be? Hydro. Take it away.
2: Yeah. So I mean, I really lost against a deck with too too much to protect and a bunch of other cards that can take one or two amber away. Mm. Uh, and so uh if if you have a key cheat you can play against that, but if you don't, it can be you can because I, mm. in that game I, I also played it badly, but I I played defensively, I tried to not play into the too much to protect and that stopped me from uh from pushing my advantage as the deck that wants to race is mm. there
1: a lesson you like is there a lesson on how to deal with these really really dangerous cards like uh, if we if we just mention a couple of combos that that our listeners are probably aware of there's the brig uh which is the one that doubles your ember it's a bionate rupture interdimensional graft then there's it doubles everyone's ember and then it takes all the ember that is left after the opponent forges which can be enormous swings mm. there's uh, cards like the sting there's too much to protect there is doorstep to heaven. How how are some thoughts that you? How do you deal with these different? Uh, which ones do you want to play around, if any? Uh, some of that is fairly evident, but what I, mm. which one? When do you play around them, and when do you not play around these cards?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I mean, I would say a big big thing. If I can just kind of before Hydro actually gives us the answer here, um, could could it be that you only you only gain Ember to six, and you you make checks so you don't go above the six?
2: So that was the plan. I tried against Taramis, mm. but he had lots of little cards that said "Steal one," or "Capture one," or mm, okay. raise yeah. cost by one." And okay. then I, yeah. yeah. And then I wasn't pushing, so that I was I was punished for trying to 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 uh, to play around too much to protect. I would say if I know the matchup is really bad, which I knew in this game i should have seen my only out is that i rush and you don't have the answer yet so i should play for that 10 percent chance of winning instead of playing defensively and give myself a one percent chance Mm. of winning Uh,
1: that's really really interesting would you say that that's a general strategy or when when do you need to like in in the racing strategies mind where you where? that is your plan when do you switch into that kind of thinking is it always the best or of course, there's no lessons like always, but but when.
2: So yeah, so the problem here is that too much to protect is probably the card where this is most difficult and most likely to hurt you. Like I think brig, it's better to just race into because you still get the key. Uh, while with with too much to protect, they can steal your amber and steal another one, and you don't even get a key. Same for same for the sting. I'm not afraid of the sting when I play racing deck, because I'm going to get my. My final key before you get rid of your this sting, anyway. You should probably, mm. you might, it might probably hurt you more than it helps you the sting, unless you have ways to remove your own artifacts in, not in shadows. Just... Or you can get out
0: early enough, yeah. The, this uh,
1: also reminds me of something that is very crucial when you talk about the worst cards. It isn't too much to protect, it's too much to protect and another card. Mm. Because many people no. see too much to protect yeah, and yeah. think, oh, they have a too much to protect. Now, like, I cannot uh, go up high and so on. What you should be thinking is, yeah, but they can't stop my key and they have to play their too much to protect. Because if they don't have the two card combo, a too much to protect gives them some ember. But in a rush deck, you probably don't have to care so much. Either they use it, that's good for you, mm. because then, then after that, you can just rush freely if they only have one. Or they don't use it and you get your key. Or they, and if, if they use it, you still get your key like mm. if they don't have that second card a tmtp in many decks is like it's it's not worth it it's like yeah this. i agree
2: and i would say this was a mistake i made when evaluating your your decks when i was tired i saw that too too much to protect and i didn't really consider the other small steel cards that actually mm. decided that game i would say because because they are the ones that stopped me when i tried to, uh, Go to first six all the time yeah yeah so uh so that's that's a really good point that's what really helped that deck win that game you had you had the too much to protect and the hugger mugger or yeah. something like
1: that and th- this is important for everyone to say like look, when you see the opponents deck, like, if you see a tmtp it might be worth just rushing ahead have them use it but you should still you will still probably be faster and you would got you got the key mm. even if they got four ember and they get their first key or whatever your deck mm. might have the so much of an ember advantage that you can just
2: like yeah. say, okay,
1: that was a swing of four. I'll take it.
2: The problem they was you had two too much to project. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so <yeah>. after I <laughs> baited out the after I baited out the first one, which I did well, I think I made yeah. a mistake of playing around the second one which you didn't have yet when I should have been yeah, pushing. But it. that was a very specific game. That yeah.
1: that my my deck is a hate deck. For those <laughs> mm. who, I, we've talked a lot about the specific deck, but it's really a it's really a specific deck. When you have both a Dusania, a Snack Lifter, and double too much to protect in a deck, so it hates on everything people like to do. <laughs> it's just it becomes a talking point. Yeah, it's yeah, a troll yeah. deck. It is a troll deck.
0: So Hydro, what you're saying is the way around this is just to rush harder.
2: Uh, well, to, with with some reservations. Sometimes, but, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you a could player, r- race yeah. to nine instead of race to twelve.
1: Yeah, yeah. exactly. So when it doesn't produce a when when you don't give away the same advantage as you just got in a key, uh, but mm. uh, the the whole uh, it's really interesting that uh, the experience of, of playing a lot will really teach you when it's worth just playing into things because the game I had today and as a small anecdote here again sorry listeners, but my opponent threw away four or five eclectic inquiry and one. Starline's card, where you uh, archive cards from the top three, because I had a Desenia in hand and he knew it. If he had played those two uh, eclectic inquiry, I would have to play the Desenia. It would give me an Ember Swing, Uh, but then then it would have been out of the deck for quite a while. Uh, And you always have to think like, okay, how many cards will I need to throw, and how long will they shame Mm. themselves? Like if I'm throwing away more cards than they lose by just holding that card. Then they're yeah. definitely making the better trade here. Uh, if I throw away yeah. one archiving card that could give them a lot of ember, then that might be worth it. But if you have three cards in your deck that you constantly have to throw away, mm. you might just want to bait it out instead. And that's yeah. the same philosophy when it comes to rush.
0: Yeah, i I try and do I try and do that a few times with uh, when I know there's a card which I'm watching out for that I need to wait until they play it. Is you give them a half reason to play it? Yeah. Exactly. Let show the hand. It's out, and then you can just okay. Thank you. It's in the discard pile. I'll take the game. Thanks.
2: Yep. Yeah, and that works for all kinds of all kinds of powerful conditional cards that you might yeah. want to play against in any kind of uh, any kind of uh, archetype you're playing.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Indeed. So, well, uh, we are. We're approaching the end, aren't we? we
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if there's anything more that we need to cover. I mean, there's always things we need to cover here um, with all the archetypes, and we probably haven't covered every single thing whatsoever. But tell us, do you agree? Do you disagree? Are there any things that you look out for with a rush deck? Um, How do you play against the rush deck? Um, How do you stop the the rush deck? As as the as the litter, yeah. So tell us in all the usual places, um, Facebook, Twitter, you know where to find us, uh Nordic Key Forge League. Uh we have a channel there where we discuss uh all the topics on the podcast, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but that is it from us for tonight for the next two weeks. Um uh, we will be back in two weeks. There will be no more hiatus. If there is, you'll hear about it in three weeks. <laughs> and um <laughs> Zaramis, Hydro, thank you both so much for a really interesting conversation. Um, I've just been sat here learning, and I hope our listener has been too, as well, uh, because the archetypes is such an interesting thing. So, this is not the last you'll hear of archetypes. And yeah. Thank you both. Thank you all for listening. And that's good night for us. For joining and crossing.